Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Hi, welcome to the Gen Z Show. Uh, brought to you by Generation Ziggler. I'm your host, uh, James McLam, and I am joined today by two of our favorite guest hosts here on the Gen Z Show. They've been best quite a bit. From Raleigh, North Carolina, at North Carolina State University, please welcome Sarah Beth McLam. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. Thank you for the introduction. Glad to be here. <laughs> and from the Midwest, in Nebraska, our own Cornhusker, Miss Abby Durham. How are you doing, Abby? Oh, I'm doing great, James. <laughs> Guys, today's guest really is going to blow this audience away. Uh, if we said this before, that if you haven't heard of him before now, you're not going to forget this guest. So, uh, Sarah Beth, tell us who our guest is today. Today, we were joined by Ron Rabo, and he is an author. He is is a speaker and he is a farmer. He um, is from Wyoming and he had a lot of great content to share with us. Abby, I really loved his conversation. Probably some of the more in-depth knowledge uh, and common sense that we've had on any of our calls. All of our calls are great, but this one was really good. What did you learn from this? What are our audience going to glean from this interview? I, my pencil never stopped moving during this conversation. Ron did such a fantastic job really keeping it simple. And the, as it is in the name of his book on keeping it simple, he says that simple isn't always easy. And while initially going into that conversation, I would have lumped those two words together and used them in the same sentence interchangeably. And they're absolutely not the same. Simple is not easy. And we need to make sure that we're prioritizing and staying true to prior our priorities. Because the thing that resonated with me the most, he said, if they don't fit in your priority list, then they must go. And it's that simple. Is it easy? No. But I encourage you to keep a pencil and paper throughout the rest of this episode, because there is a lot of good things to capture. But guys, you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Mr. Ron Rabo. And then look into show notes for more information about how to get in touch with him because you're really going to want to be here. Without further ado, let's go straight to the interview with Mr. Ron Rabo. Thank you. Ron, welcome to the Gen Z show. I, I'm so excited to, to be able to meet you today and, and to be able to have you with us. Awesome. Well, I am uh, looking forward to the conversation. Super happy to be here on this snowy Wyoming day. <laughs> and for those of you who are watching this now, when this airs, a lot of you might think, hey, it's no big deal snowing. It's, you know, it's later in the year. When we tape this, it is the day after Labor Day. So, you know, if those of you who are listening in Texas um, or, or any of the southern states, you're like freaking out because it's probably like 90 or something there. Abby, what is it like in Nebraska right now? It's a cold 49 and thunderstorming. We're going to hope that the snow stays in Wyoming and doesn't come over here. <laughs> Well, uh, Ron, you were introduced to us uh, from Andrew McRae, who was just uh, on our show. We just did his 
show just recently released that recently. Uh, but many of our audience may not be familiar with who you are. To introduce yourself to our Gen Z audience. Sure. Well, um, as you said, my name is Ron Rabo, and uh, I was uh, very active in the uh, FFA program in Wyoming in, in the early 90s. A state officer, a national officer, ended up on the uh, uh, national officer candidate, ended up on the uh, Made for Excellence staff. Andrew and I, incidentally, actually ran for national FFA office the same year. And so uh, I live in southeastern Wyoming, clear, stuffed in the corner, right next to uh, Abby's uh, state of Nebraska. I'm actually about three miles away. And, uh, you know, through a, through a series of life events, uh, I have become a farmer and a uh, speaker slash trainer slash author. Um, authored a couple of books, uh, one named uh, Keep It Simple, and the other one uh, called uh, Make, it, Make Your Own Way. And uh, we farm here on an organic farm in, in uh, southeastern Wyoming that we have built proudly on our own. And uh, it's been quite a journey here the last 20 years of my life. And it has also brought me to a place that I never imagined being, which was living on a farm uh, out here in sparsely populated Wyoming, raising three boys. Uh, my wife is a school teacher. And it has been, uh, it's been a great experience, you know, it's, it's my ties to agriculture continue to really uh, pay dividends in my life. You know, I, th I think that, that all of us who are involved in the agriculture industry really have a somewhat of an emotional tie to what we do, but we have a deep understanding of, of the values uh, that, that that industry and this lifestyle actually bring to our life. And so something that, that obviously here in, in Wyoming, we're very, very proud of. And one of my favorite things to do is to travel the country to speak to different audiences, just like I did, you know, back in my FFA career, uh, speaking to those different audiences and learning about the different parts of what makes this country so great. And it's because of the great people that live here, um, not necessarily always because of what they do, but because of who they are. Uh, that make us the great country that we really are. Now, you, you just mentioned the fact you'd authored uh, two books. Yes. Uh, the first one that you said would keep it simple, but there's a subtitle to it, 12 Core Values. Uh, yes. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you came to that and, and, and who you were trying to, to reach with that book. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's a great question. Um, uh, I, I had kind of, you know, in the, uh, I guess it was in the early 2000s, I had kind of wanted to really get back into speaking a little bit, um, had connected with one of my uh, college buddies um, from 10 years earlier, and he and I would, would, would frequently do lunch and talk about, you know, obviously we get together and we solve life's problems, right? So we, 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 do, we talk about what are the problems and then what are our solutions to those problems. And, and one day we just decided, you know what, instead of sitting here over um, our great, you know, uh, Mexican food lunch, uh, which we love to have here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, we decided, you know, what, instead of just having a conversation, how about we contribute to that conversation and actually try to do something about it? And so we formed a company called Rethink. And so uh, Rethink was really a company that was formed um, on the basis that we really needed to get back to the basics in life. You know, we really believed that uh, a lot of things in life uh, may not be easy, but a lot of the solutions in life are simple. 
And so simple and easy are not the same thing. But a lot of times as adults, you know, because we, we become educated, we have all these great aspirations of life and the different things that we want to accomplish in life. We, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things, right? So we get an education, we become sophisticated adults, and, and we want to, you know, have sophisticated solutions to world's, the world problems. And, and the conversations that Steve and I always had were really always brought back to the fact that there were simple values and simple things that we could do to still uh, really exhibit why we were great as people and why we were great as a country. And so, you know, those, those involved uh, getting perspective, they involved staying motivated, they involved, uh, you know, remaining accountable for your actions. You know, I've, I've actually got the, uh, the book in front of me here. And, um, you know, I'd just like to read off if I could here, if you could indulge me, you know, the, the different chapters, uh, the 12 core values, keep it simple, simplify, get perspective, patience, matter, commit, focus, do something, create, create, feed your passion, persevere, and find your purpose. And, you know, in, in FFA, I was really introduced to, and, and all of the folks who were involved with, with that program or any other similar program, really understand that we were really introduced to goal setting. And so, so I became very uh, goal-oriented with everything in my life. And and, and really, Steve and I looked at that a little bit further, and we said, you know, instead of just setting goals, instead of saying, this is what I want to accomplish, and these are the steps that I'm going to take to get there, although that is important, instead of talking about goals, we had a tendency to talk about priorities. And priorities are really those things that you inherently know as a human being, but we have a tendency to forget about. And so... Uh, William Wordsworth uh, had a had a saying that you know, and I won't quote it exactly, but he talked about the fact that that children were really born on clouds of glory, and they talked about all these things that they wanted to accomplish, and all these great things that they were going to do. And then by the time we enter adulthood, and we get over overwhelmed with life's, you know, uh, inconveniences, and 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 we get overwhelmed with family and with, with relationships and with a job and with, with finances, all of those things begin to cloud those individual things that we wanted to accomplish as a child. And so priorities, what they do and the way that we introduce to those is, is we said, instead of setting goals, how about we just prioritize um, who we are as human beings? So what are the things that are and so what we found when we would go around and speak was that we all have similar priorities as human beings. And, and those priorities are faith and their family and their, their friends and their uh, a need and a desire to want to make a positive difference in the world. And so how can we accomplish those things? How can we do those things? And so a lot of times what we're taught to do in school, at least what I was taught to do in school, was that, you know, my my uh, high school counselor and even my college counselor said, here's the list of things that you can do in life, choose one. So you look through all the lists and then you say, well, I don't know, I guess I'll be a doctor or I'm gonna be a, 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 you know, a, a business person or I'm gonna be a teacher, whatever it is. So instead of saying, 
who are you as a person? What's important to you in your life? And what can you do as a job in your life that will exemplify those things that are important to you? And so uh, because life overwhelms us and because life is not necessarily simple in itself, we have a tendency to uh, give complicated answers. We have a tendency to, when we can't figure things out, well, we need more education or we need more expertise and we have meeting after meeting after meeting, and we've all been involved with it, right? No matter what stage of life we're in, that we have a lot of meetings, but what are we actually accomplishing through that? And so should our focus be on, on, on doing only, or should our focus be on actually accomplishing? And how do we best accomplish those things? And so I think now we live in a world where we can't just, you know, we can't just go to meetings, right? Uh, because we're, we're all, we're all bound to our, to our surroundings, right? To our, to our, uh, our homes, our offices, whatever, whatever it is, or our place of business. And, and here we sit. And so this is a great time for us to reflect on the fact that we really can get back to those basic things in life. We really can get back to the things that are real, honest, true priorities in our life. So we have a tendency to get clouded by the fact that, you know, I, I use an example in the book about, you know, people chasing me, wanting me to uh, be involved politically and me wanting to run for political office. When while that appeals to me, you know, as a man, and, and it appeals to my ego as the fact that you want people to look at you and you want people to, to admire you and look up to you, right? Does that really fit with who I am right now and where, I, where I'm at in my current life? And at the time when, when people really were trying to convince me to do that because they thought that I would be good at that, I had a young family. And so my priorities were my wife, they were my children, and they were the fact that I had a very young business, I had a very young farm that needed to grow to be able to take care of my family. So my point is this, that just because you can do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should. And so we have to be able to disseminate between those two things. We're all capable of a lot of things. We're all capable of accomplishing a, a, a vast amount of things in our life. But in the end, what really matters? And that gets back to our chapter where we do talk about what really matters. And so if you have your priorities correct, you can be more successful in accomplishing and setting those goals because you really have a true understanding of what truly matters in your life and where you want your life to take you. We all are given one chance, right? We all have choices that we can make. We're all responsible for those choices. And every choice that we make leads us to the next part of our life, right? It's like a choose your own adventure book. And so you, you, uh, you make a choice, you turn to that page and in life, you can't turn back and say, well, I made a mistake. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to start over and not make that decision. So we have to be very purposeful uh, with how we move forward and the choices that we make in life. So I think we got cut out on that last little bit of the comment you just said on the end. Um, on the uh, on those 12 core values, the one that really jumps out at me a lot, 
And the one that we keep hearing echoed from our youth that they want to know is the last one. Find your purpose. Mm-hmm. How would you advise our audience? You know, our audience is late teens to mid twenties. You know, they're they're sixteen up to you know twenty four. How how can they uh, find their purpose? Not to overemphasize it, but I think it really boils down to priorities. Mm. Uh, it, it really, honestly, does. I mean, everything that we do in life should be purposeful. Um, it should have meaning. And so if we don't really, if we're not really connected with who we are as human beings, then how can we understand what our purpose is because we're confused about what our priorities are? So we live in a world today that is more connected than it ever has been, right? So we we live, we, we we are currently a society right now where there is a generation of people who will never know what it's like to not have the answer to a question. You and I, James, grew up in a generation where, you know, we didn't have the computer, right? We didn't have, there's no such thing as Google. So in order to find the information that we needed, what we did is we went to the library and we got an encyclopedia, (laughs) which who knows how outdated that was, right? But that's how we found our information. So now we live in this society. Well, if you want an answer to any question, just pull it up. I mean, you'll have it instantaneously. We live in a, in a microwave society where, and I'm guilty of it, you stick a pizza in the microwave for two minutes and at 1.58 you push stop because who has time to listen to the buzzer go off for three seconds, right? We're, we're, we're very, very busy trying to accomplish things and we have all these goals in front of us. We have all of these lists, which I have about 500 of them on my desk. So just because I wrote the book doesn't mean I have all the answers and it doesn't mean that I'm good at it either. Um, So a lot of times we write or I write to remind myself as well, but we live in a society that's super busy. So we're overcome with busyness. Ask anyone that you know today, tomorrow, whenever it is, how are you doing? And the first response that you're going to get, oh man, I am so overwhelmed. I've got so many things to do. Right. When, when was the last time you heard, you know, I'm really doing great. Life is really awesome. I'm totally blessed. We live in a world that we're overcome by our busyness. So understanding priorities means that we understand that we have to set certain things to the side. And what we need to focus on is those two or three things that are the absolute most important to us as human beings. James, you know this, right? So you and I are roughly the same age. How fast has the last 30 years of your life gone? Oh my gosh, way too fast. It's surprising, right? It's like, it's to me, it's one of the biggest disappointments in life is how fast it actually goes. And when you're 20 years old or 25 years old, you don't think it's gonna go by fast, because I was told, oh boy, it goes by fast. So you listen to the older generation, you say, yeah, right, whatever, right? And then pretty soon you find yourself that, for me, almost 50 years old, and you think to yourself, I have no idea where the last 30 years went. And I always felt that I was always living in the moment. I always felt like I was, like I was really focused on the things that were really important to me. So when my children were really young, we spent a lot of time just with our kids. We didn't go out with friends. We didn't, when we traveled, 
we always traveled with our kids. I mean, we really tried to absorb every moment. And now I find myself with almost a senior in high school thinking, did I, did I really spend the time that I needed to? So it's important to have these, these uh, self-checking mechanisms uh, in place and making sure that everything that we do in life is purposeful. Everything that we do in our life matters based on what our set of priorities are. So how do you find your purpose? You understand yourself as a human being. You understand what matters in your life because you do have a deep understanding of what those priorities are. And, and I really believe that when you do have an understanding that the world has an interesting way of opening a way for you and opening a place for you where you can exhibit and exemplify and contribute uh, based on your own talents, based on your own uh, uh, gifts that, that, uh, that you've been blessed with. The world will find a place for those and you will find a purpose for those, but you can't get distracted by all the busy, busyness that we experience today. I love that answer. Well, Ron, you just talked about like focusing on what really matters in your priorities in life. What advice do you have to practically focus on our purpose and who we want to be and what we want to do in life? Like what can we do? Tangible advice um, that we can follow, especially now with um, all of the uncertainty of what's going to happen next and all the things that seem to distract us from our priorities. What advice can you give us? The, the, the best advice that I can give you is we live in a world where we focus on our extrinsic value, right? When people ask us what we do, we say, I'm a teacher. When people say, in essence, who are you? We say, I'm a doctor, right? Because we identify with what we do rather than who we are. So the best advice that I can give is understand who you are as a human being and understand and focus on your intrinsic value, not your extrinsic value. Like we all can make contributions based on our own levels of intelligence, our own gifts that we have. But if we don't understand that we carry value as human beings, then we're lost already. So look at the riots that are going around in the world. We've lost so much respect for ourselves as human beings, and we've lost so much respect for other people as human beings that we can outright destroy other people's lives and other people's property without having a guilty conscience about it. We can drive down the road screaming at other drivers and, and giving the other drivers one finger waves because we don't have respect for other people, right? So it's important that when we understand that we as human beings have value, then we can have a better understanding that other human beings have value also. And so how do we make a difference in the world? We have respect for each other. We have to have uh, mutual respect for each other. We live in a political climate today where you have two complete opposite sides of the spectrum that don't understand that the only time anything gets done is when we meet in the middle. It's when we compromise. So when I work together with my buyers of grain, for an example, my first comment to them is any contract that is good is good for both sides, that it has to be it has to be mutually beneficial for you 
and for me. It can't just be all about me, right? So we have to learn to take our eyes off of ourselves, look at other people, look at how we can, we might all have differences, right? So we don't have a tendency to listen to other people's story, the other, the other people's uh, side of the story. We have a tendency to only want to hear our own. So we have become more divided as a society because we've lost this mutual respect for each other. That's something that we have to get back. We have to understand that we all have contributions to the world that we can make, even though our political beliefs, our religious beliefs, um, our social beliefs, whatever they are, even those are might be completely far apart from each other, that we still bring value to society. And how can we more mutually work together to benefit the greater good? I love that. I love how you're talking about intrinsic value and basing your value and value on who they are as a person, not what they do. And I wish I could get back and shake younger me and just be like, why are you judging yourself on what other people think? And why are you judging other people on what their status is? I love that. Well, look at, and, and you're right. I mean, look at, look at, uh, okay, so, so go to the supermarket, right? And go to the uh, tabloid section in the supermarket where you're waiting in line to get, to get checked out. And what do you see? It's all about who people are based on what they do and how they look. And, and so, so we have people in the world that think that they don't have value because they don't look like society tells them that they should look. And, and so we're basing ourselves on our extrinsic value rather than what's inside of our heart, what's inside of our spirit, what's inside of our soul. Who are we as people? And so we have to get back to, and that's the point of our book, is we have to get back to the basics of society. What foundationally makes us great as human beings? Wow. That's pretty, pretty profound. Um, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. It's like really heavy, and I have been taking a lot of notes. But what I've been reflecting a lot on the last four years of my college experience or three and a half or whatever, I'm a senior, um, and how, how my priorities have had to shift based on the overwhelming busyness. So I guess, what is your, what is your advice when you have to reprioritize? Because it's caught me with my pants down a couple of times, and it's definitely not a good feeling when you have to go and... I'm a people pleaser and I have to go and I have to tell someone no because it no longer fits in my priorities. How, how do you feel that you can best relay that message to someone else? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I think it's something that we all struggle with, especially those of us who are people pleasers. I get it. Uh, it's very, very difficult to say no, right? It's, it's one of the hardest things in the world for me to do because when someone comes to me and says, can you do this for me or can you get involved in this? My immediate response is, well, of course I can. And then I lie awake at night and I think to myself, there's no possible way. There's no way that I can accomplish all these things that I have set out to do, right? Because, because I am overcommitted. So it goes back to your priority list. What's a priority? Not what well, not one of your goals. But what are your priorities? What are the things that are the most important? So when you look at that priority list 
and you look at your list of things that you're involved with, your list of commitments, your list of to-dos, whatever those are, if those do not fit in with what your priorities are, they must go. They must go. And so that part of realizing our intrinsic value as human beings is being honest with ourselves. So first, we have to be honest with ourselves. Secondly, we have to be honest with other people. So other people understand, even though we think that they won't, and, 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 if, and some people don't. And if they don't, then that's not for us to worry about, right? A little bit of honesty goes a long, long way. So I tell the employees that work for me that if you'll just be honest with me and let me know what happened or let me know that you're feeling overwhelmed or let me know that you don't know how to do a job instead of just acting like everything's okay, we can address the problems that you will feel as a result of those. Just be honest with me. So just be honest with those people by being honest with yourself. None of us are... are or Superman or Superwoman, right? We, we can only accomplish so much. So my wife told me this 20 years ago when we got married. She said, Ron, you're gonna have to realize that every time you take something on, something else has to give. So think about that. That still resonates with me today, and that was 20 years ago. And that's right. Every single thing that you take on in your life something else has to give. We think that we can add more stuff on and we can still be successful with those other things. We can't. There's no possible way because we're all blessed with 24 hours in a day, right? I have a tendency to think that I don't need to sleep. So when I take something on, then it's okay. I'll just take it on and it's all good, right? I sleep less. Well, then when I sleep less, guess what happens? <laughs> something else gives, right? Not only my sleep and not only my personal well-being, but the things that I need to have focus for, those have a tendency to get lost in all this muddling around of trying to make things work. And so that creates unhappiness. But we create our own unhappiness because we're unwilling to be honest with ourselves. Look at those things, compare them to your priority list. It's simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple, right? So if they don't mesh, if they don't work together, then they've got to go. And that's the, that's the best advice that I can give you because when you're in school, you think to yourself, okay, well, if I can just get past this class, if I can just get past this semester, if I can just get past this year, if I can just graduate, everything's gonna be okay. Then I can relax then I can be happy, then I can focus on the things that I really need to focus on. Not true. Because as soon as that passes, something else will come. And if you have the personality that says, I'll go ahead and take that on too, you'll never get out of the trap. And pretty soon, 30 years of your life will go by and you'll say to yourself, wow, I don't understand where that went. Did I make, I'm responsible for, for my own choices in my life. Did I make the right choices? Look at your priorities. Look at what you do. Then you'll know. How are young people going to start to transition from parents' priorities, from someone else telling them what their priorities are, 
to finding their own because I'm thinking about our audience, you know, if they're in high school, a lot of those things are dictated for them, or at least there's a perception that they have that they're dictated for them. What advice would you give them to, as they start to uh, transition on their own? Take time for yourself. Take time for yourself. There's going to be a lot of chatter. So you're right. We, we grow up where the high school counselor says, here's your choices. Where our parents say, here's your choices. Uh, we live in a world where we get a job and our boss will say, here's what you have to do, right? We kind of go through a series of steps in life where we're kind of led by other people. And so what most of us do is we have a tendency to take more things on so that we can get that promotion or we can get that raise or we can be looked at differently uh, or what we think better in other people's eyes. Take time for yourself. What's wrong with uh, whatever it is. Now, I'm not, I'm not a guy that just loves to go work out. So I go do other things, right? And so you've got to take time for yourself and really think about the things that are important in your life. So uh, to remove that chatter, okay, you have to be able to differentiate between what other people are telling to you to do and what you know you should be doing. And so just like, you know, goes back to the example of what I said before, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because someone tells you, you need to run for governor or for state legislature uh, or whatever it is, doesn't mean that you should. You know what those answers are. If you're in tune with yourself, you're going to know what you should and what you shouldn't take on. And, and it doesn't mean that you're always going to make the right choice. But what it does mean, and what I was talking with Abby about before was, to, in response to her question, is, you know, you've got to be honest with yourself. You always have to go back and say, you know what, I think I'm going down the wrong path, and I need to make some changes. And that might be a week later, it might be months or years later. And it's okay to reevaluate. So, case in point, I was part of a family, I'm fifth generation uh uh, rancher. And so my great, great grandmother homesteaded our family ranch in the early 1900s. And when I grew up, I knew that one day, my the expectation in my family is that one day I would be a cattle rancher. Well, guess what? I'm not a cowboy. I didn't ever like to be around cows. I didn't ever like to ride horses. I didn't ever like to get up in the middle of the night and, you know, go check the cows or help pull calves, whatever it was. I just flat didn't like it. And, well, and what was the mascot of your university? <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, so that wasn't me, right? So what I had to do when I found myself kneeling over my father when I was 26 years old, giving him CPR and trying to save his life, everything that I thought that I was going to become, everything that I thought that I was supposed to accomplish in my life flashed before me. And my life changed forever. And I found myself in a family operation 
that was dysfunctional, that was unhappy at best, but everyone was expected to live up to this level of, I'm a rancher. We stay together as a family. Now, mind you, it wasn't brothers and sisters. By this time, this stage, it was second and third cousins, all right? So everyone lives in the same compound, right? Everyone lives, you know, 50 feet across from each other. Everyone knows everyone's business. The business wasn't big enough to support four families. And so the result was, our business plan was, just don't spend any money and we'll be okay. And no one needs to make everything because the ranch will just take care of us. And when I found myself at 30 years old, after being in that environment for four years of my life, I had to take a step back and I had to say, I think I need to make some changes because this isn't me. Like I have to be real with myself, right? I have to, it goes back to the, right, Abby, to the being honest with yourself. And I had to finally say, I don't like cows. I don't like the, the environment that I'm finding myself in. I don't like the dysfunction that I'm finding myself in. I don't like the dissension that I'm finding myself in. I need to change. Was that hard when a business has been in your family for 100 years? Oh, man, I know hard. I, I, I understand full well what it's like to make full cyclonic change. But I also understand that my job as a human being, my job as a husband, my job as a father is not to please anyone else. My job is to be responsible for the choices that I make in my life to make sure that those choices benefit me personally, and that means my health and my well-being, that it benefits my wife, and that it benefits my children. Because when I looked at our family operation, I looked at it and I said, you know, some days it was, things were pretty good, right? And then other days I thought, man, I, things have to change. But when I looked at the reality of the situation and I was honest with myself, I said, if something happens to me, what position does this put my children in? What position does this put my wife in? And the answer that kept coming back, do I want to put them in that situation? It was a resounding no. I couldn't do that. It was my obligation as a human being to make some hard choices. So I did the unthinkable in family agriculture, and that was I split up the family ranch, and I ventured off into the abyss of the unknown of I have no idea what I'm doing. And I found myself on my grandparents' old place that was falling down, and I found myself losing money year after year because what we, when you take 40% of something that was not functioning and not financially successful, when it was operating at full capacity at 100%, that doesn't work either. That's not a winning formula. So I finally had to make some more hard choices. So four years into that, I had to say, I either need to make some serious changes with what we're doing here, 
or I need to just forget about it and go do something else because it wasn't working. And so again, I found myself at a crossroads where I had to make some hard choices. And so my wife and I chose to sell off almost everything that we had and we started over with all of our infrastructure, all of our storage, all of our buildings, all of our land, all of our equipment, all of our, uh, uh, our, our marketing goals and our strategies and all of our business strategies, we started over. And that was about 12 years ago. And we have built an operation that not only is financially successful, but we have built an operation that has been a total, complete, utter blessing to every aspect of our lives. It's allowed my wife freedom. It's allowed my children freedom. Most importantly, it's allowed them the freedom to think, to become, to choose to do whatever they want to do. Because they don't have a dad that says, your expectation is that you will be sixth generation on our family ranch. My expectation for them is that they will do what they're passionate about, regardless of whether that means that they're involved in agriculture or not. But see, we have the freedom to do that now. But that's because we had to be honest with ourselves because I know what my priorities are. I know what's important in my life. And those, those things are just straight up hard. They're hard to do. But no one gave us a free pass in life that said, hey, here's your life. Everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to flow. Everything's going to work just the way it should. But that's the society we live in. Oh, you don't know the answer? Just Google it. No problem. Right? But that's not the way that life works. Right? We have to make hard choices. How do we make hard choices? We get back to our priorities. We figure out what matters. We're honest with ourselves. We make those choices that have the best long-term benefit for who we are as people and where we ultimately want to be. And so that's the story in my, in my second book, Make Your Own Way. It's about breaking the mold, and it's about becoming the person that you want to become. It's my story. All the choices that we had to make were hard. And I have family members that are still mad at me today, not for anything that I took away from them because they ended up with more, but because I was not going to allow myself to be in the position that my dad was in, which was making sure that everyone else was happy. You can't make other people happy, but it is your responsibility as a human being to make your own self happy. You choose, you choose your own happiness. You choose your own choices. You choose your own destiny. That's what making hard choices is about. That's what understanding your priorities about. That if you want to accomplish something in your life and, and, and find your purpose, whatever purpose that is, make hard choices. Learn to say no. Learn to say, you know what? I'm not going to involve myself in that. And when you do find yourself going down the wrong course, have enough internal fortitude to sit back, spend some time reflecting and say, who am I as a human being? Is this really the course that I want to take? If you found yourself, as my wife did, with, with a degree in training and development, and you get involved in that, and you say to yourself, wow, this is totally not what I wanted to do. Have enough fortitude to do what she did and go back to school and say what I'm really passionate about is teaching children. 
to go back to school and get your teaching degree. It's okay. We live in a world where you can do that sitting in your own home now, right? So how convenient is that? So, so don't be afraid to make those hard choices because those hard choices ultimately will end up directing you towards your purpose. Ryan, you have no idea how, I, how I, this message echoes with me. I don't know about the audience as much. This is preaching to me uh, today. Uh, and, and my daughter probably understands the significance of it because we came through a very similar situation. At the same age as you, came back to a family operation that was not doing well, dysfunctional. And after 20 years of there, I realized it was time to, to move on and do other things a, a, as well on this. How can our audience find out more about how to get in touch with you and learn more about your books and, and, and resources and get involved? Sure. The best way is uh, there's two websites. So the first one is my farm website, and that is rabofarms.com. So it's R-A-B-O-U farms.com. And the other one is ronrabo.com. So uh, my books are up on those sites and uh, they can certainly contact me. My cell number is there. They can feel free to call, to text. Um, my email, my personal email is there. Uh, they can find that on the websites and, and they're, they're welcome to touch base with me anytime. And uh, you know, there's of course, you know, the, the, a variety of articles that are on there and, and different videos and whatnot. And so feel free to touch out and, or to, to, to get in touch and to reach out um, and uh, with whatever questions, concerns, aspirations, thoughts, whatever it is, I'm always, always uh, interested in hearing, you know, the other side of the fence also. And, uh, and, if, and, if, and if they are involved in any other organizations or any other groups that, uh, that would like, uh, you know, me to share my story or provide my perspective, I'm always happy to be involved as well. Thank you, girls. You have anything else you want to ask or share? I don't think I have anything. Sarah Beth and I have actually been texting about during this about how much each of us needed to hear these words today and how um, sometimes our priorities get a little out of whack. They do. Yeah. That's part of life. Yeah. Time to regroup, right? Exactly. Yeah. We were texting back some of the points that we were writing down. We we're like, did you get that one? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Good. And I think that's what uh, we're going to hear from the rest of our audience is that, that they're going to see that they needed to hear that message as well. So uh, our Generation Ziegler community, you can look in the show notes and find out more information about how to get in touch with Ron, links to uh, on Amazon uh, to, to find his books as well there. And Ron, thank you. Uh, well, let me break up and say thank you, Andrew, for introducing us to Ron first. And, but thank you for agreeing to come and sharing and being part of our group. Well, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to do that. And, uh, and certainly, as you mentioned, there are, um, there's a link to Amazon to get the book. But if someone wants to, you know, if, if folks out there want to just send me a personal message, um, I've got an inventory here and I'm happy to sign those for them and send them off as well. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, Generation Ziegler audience, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, 
Have a blessed day.